Today's sermon comes from Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my own body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. The CEO of a Fortune 500 company pulled into a service station to get gas. He went inside to pay, and when he came out, he saw his wife deeply engaged in conversation with a service station attendant. Turns out she knew him. She had dated him in high school before she met her current husband. So the two of them got in the car and it was pretty silent for a little while. And then finally the the CEO was feeling good about himself and so he, he broke the silence. He said, I bet I know what you were thinking. I bet you were thinking you're glad you married me, a Fortune 500 CEO, and not him, a service station attendant. To which she replied, no, I was thinking if I married him, he'd be a Fortune 500 CEO and you'd be a service station attendant. Boy, we love to boast, don't we? We love to boast about ourselves and there's so many different ways that we do boast. And while we could list a a, a long long list of what we boast in, the reality is that our boasting falls into two categories, and just two. That is fruitless boasting and fruitful boasting. Fruitless boasting leaves us empty. Fruitful boasting leaves us full. It's that simple. Now, the word boast that appears in this passage several times is really hard to translate into English. There's not an English word that really captures what this word means in Greek, which is the original language that the New Testament is written in. John Stott gets at it, though, when he describes what boasting really means. Listen to what he says. It means to boast in, to glory in, trust in, rejoice in, revel in, live for. The object of our boast or glory fills our horizons, engrosses our attention, and absorbs our time and energy. In a word, our glory or our boast is our obsession. So with that said, let's explore the two types of boasting. First, fruitless boasting. Now, Paul's going to lay out here two types of fruitless boasting. The first is in verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh 
who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, when we think of suffering and persecution of the early church, we typically think it came at the hands of the Romans. That if you didn't, if you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and not Caesar as Lord, you would suffer because of it. Now, while that's true, a vast majority of the suffering and persecution in the early church came at the hands of the Jews. Stephen, one of the first deacons in the early church, was stoned by the Sanhedrin. That's the Jewish ruling council. The apostle Paul, who was a, a law keeper, a law keeping Jew himself before his conversion, right, dragged Christians out of their homes, put them in jail. So as the early church spread, so too did persecution and suffering at the hands of the Jews. What Paul's saying here in verse 12 is that these opponents of Paul, these Jewish Christian missionaries who came from Jerusalem to Galatia to force these Galatians to be circumcised, were operating really out of fear. They didn't want to be persecuted because the way you avoided persecution or suffering was to get circumcised. Or if you were a circumcised Jew, the way that you avoided getting persecuted or suffering by the Jews was to make sure others got circumcised. And so Paul here is really unpacking this real motive of why these opponents were trying to get these Galatians circumcised. The real motive was fear. They didn't want to return back to Jerusalem having not circumcised anybody and receive the harassment and the oppression because of it. Now remember, what you boast in is what you live for. So what were these opponents of Paul really living for? They were really living for comfort, right? avoiding harassment, avoiding oppression, avoiding persecution. They were living for comfort. And that is one of the strongest boasts in our culture. We live in a world, in a culture that boasts in comfort. And by that, I mean avoiding pain, avoiding discomfort, avoiding inconvenience. When you look at the, over the last even hundred years, but even the last decades, the amount of medical advance, scientific advance, technological advance, all those advances are driving to the removal of pain, the removal of discomfort, the removal of inconvenience. It is pervasive in our culture, this boast in comfort. Listen to these actual responses from comment cards that were turned into staff members at the Bridger Wilderness Area in the Teton National Forest in Wyoming. Listen to these responses on comment cards. Trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. <laughs> Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. 
Please pave the trails so that they can be snowplowed during the winter. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike them. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there a way I can get reimbursed? Please call with a phone number. <laughs> Reflectors need to be placed on trees every 50 feet so people can hike at night with flashlights. Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. All right, this is the last one. I'll stop. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. <laughs> now, we chuckle at that, but we are a culture that boasts in comfort. And personally, we are a people that boast. And by boast, again, that's to live for, to revel in, to glory in. Comfort. But if you boast in comfort, which is to say, if you live for or glory and comfort, you will become addicted to something. You will become chained to an escape strategy that keeps you from facing the hardness of life. That when you boast in comfort, you're going to chain yourself to some sort of escape strategy by which you avoid the hardness of life. And ultimately, when you chain yourself to that escape strategy or you chain yourself to that type of comfort or pleasure, it's the same thing, you find in the end emptiness. In the end, you find pain, the very thing you were trying to avoid in the first place. When you're boasting in comfort, I love how one author puts it. The lust for comfort that stealthy thing that enters the house a guest and then becomes a host and then a master. How has comfort become a ruthless slave master in your life? How has your pursuit of comfort actually brought on pain, the very thing you were trying to avoid in the first place? So one of the ways, one of the types of fruitless boasting is boasting in comfort, but there's another type of fruitless boast that Paul lays out here. It's in verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So Paul reveals another motive of these opponents who had come from Jerusalem, and that is success. The more foreskins they could collect and take home, the bigger pats on the back they would get in Jerusalem. They really didn't care about the Galatians. What they cared about was converting them, getting them circumcised so they could have that achievement plaque on their wall so they could go home to Jerusalem to the, the, the councils there and say, look how many people we got circumcised. It was all about achievement. It was about success, albeit a, a religious version of it. But when you look at success, there's the religious version they were engaged in, but there's all kinds of forms of success. There's career success. There's parenting success. 
athletic success, academic success. It's this pursuit of success. It's this boasting in, this living for success that again, ultimately leaves you empty. It ultimately leaves you unfulfilled. Couple examples, if you live for your family and children, that would be parenting success. You will try to live your life through your children until they resent you or until they have no self left. And at the worst, you may mistreat them or abuse them when they displease you or don't measure up or when they fail. If you live for your work and career, which would be career success, you will be driven as a workaholic and a boring and shallow person. You'll drive away family and friends, and if your career goes poorly, you'll develop deep depression. You'll develop anger. This boasting in success, which seems to offer so much, ultimately leaves you empty. It leaves you empty. It leaves you unfulfilled. It leaves you in pain. Tom York, he's the front man of the band Radiohead. He was in an interview, and listen to what he said in this interview. I thought when I got to where I wanted to be, everything would be different. I'd be somewhere else. I thought it'd be all white, fluffy clouds, and then I got there, and I'm still here. The interviewer asked, why in the end have you done what you've done? And York replied, it's filling the hole. That's all anyone does. And then the interviewer said, what happens to the hole? And then York, after a long pause, said, it's still there. Kevin Durant, superstar NBA player, was asked by an interviewer, this was the year after he won his first championship with the Golden State Warriors. The next year, he was huge spike in technical fouls, ejections from games. And this interviewer said, what's going on? Why, why such this increase in technical fouls and ejections from games? The year after you won the championship, your first one, listen to what he said. It's just my emotions and passion for the game. And then he said this, after winning that championship, I learned that much hadn't changed. I thought it would fill a certain void. It didn't. You see, success never delivers what you think it's going to deliver. Success never delivers what you think it's going to deliver. Boasting in comfort, boasting in success, ultimately leaves you empty. And not only that, that when you engage in boasting in or living for success and comfort, you become a shell of a person because your motivations and your behaviors never connect and you become a hypocritical person. We see it in the text. Look at verse 13 again. For even those who are circumcised do not keep themselves, do not themselves keep the law. So even these opponents of Paul that were coming to get the Galatians circumcised, Paul says, they're not even keeping the law. They're hypocrites. And what they're doing, they're actually trying to 
strive for this success and this achievement, albeit religious, to make up for their lack of law keeping. And that that's what we do. There's this deep sense inside of us, this deep insecurity, this deep shame, this deep guilt. There's this deep sense of inadequacy that we try to fill or cover by boasting in comfort or boasting in success. And that's what was happening here in this Galatian church, that they were boasting. Boasting in comfort, boasting in success is an attempt to create a self-esteem resume to desperately fill your sense of inadequacy and emptiness. The problem is you can't cover your shame and guilt. You can't fill your inadequacy or your emptiness. So then what's the answer to our shame and guilt? What's the answer to our inadequacy, our insecurity, our emptiness? What is the answer? And the answer is the fruitful boasting of which Paul speaks about here. Look at verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fruitful boasting is boasting in the cross, reveling in the cross, living for the cross, glorying in the cross. What we see here is Paul's boast was strange for two reasons. Number one, Paul didn't boast in the things that most people boast about. He didn't boast in his popularity or his job performance or his income or his intellect or his appearance, those things that people typically boast about in the world. Second is he boasted in the cross. Now, why is that strange? Well, we've come at this point, we've become accustomed to talking about the cross as something noble or something beautiful. But to ancient people, the cross was the, was the ugliest thing imaginable. The Romans talked about the cross as disgusting, disgraceful, degrading. It's hard for us to find a contemporary equivalent of the view that the ancient first century people had of the cross. But I would say something that gets close, close to it is the, the cotton patch gospel. It's a paraphrase uh, of, of the gospels and of the letters in the New Testament brought up to language and culture of mid-20th century South. Listen to this paraphrase. God forbid that I should ever take pride in anything except in the lynching of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross was gruesome. And yet what we see is that people were were even afraid to whisper the obsceneness of the cross in polite company, and yet Christians were broadcasting it on the street. Why? Why is boasting in the cross so fruitful? First, it transforms you. Look at the second half of verse 14. By which... The world has been crucified to me 
and I to the world. Now, first of all, what does world mean here? World is simply the, the godless values, hopeless pleasures of the present age. That's what world means. And what you notice here is that Paul says, I have been crucified to the world. I have been crucified to the world. He says it earlier in Galatians chapter two. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is, I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What's this mean? When Paul says, I've been crucified, when he talks about here being crucified to the world, what's he speaking of? He's speaking of your old self has been crucified. The one that hungered for comfort and success and approval and control and power in the things of the world. Now notice when, when Paul talks about being crucified to the world, he's not talking about the crucifixion of your desires. He's talking about the crucifixion of how those desires are satisfied. And so your old self that found satisfaction for those desires of comfort and success in the world have been crucified, nailed to the cross with Christ, and now your new self, verse 15 calls it the new creation, finds those desires, those same hunger and desires for comfort, success, approval, control, satisfied in Jesus Christ. And, the, and the, the tense that's used here for crucified, the verb tense, is in a tense that describes a past action that's completed, meaning you've been crucified, but that has ongoing implications. And, and this verb tense, the focus is on the present, not what happened in the past, although it's a completed action. In other words, the focus is on the present state of those desires seeking hunger, seeking satisfaction in the world, being crucified, dying, and this new self coming to life. Here's the other important part of verse 14, is that crucified's in the passive tense. And that means that you didn't do it, that you were acted upon. You didn't change yourself. Uh, you didn't change the satisfaction of your desires. You didn't wake up one day and say, mm, seeking satisfaction for success and comfort and control and approval in the world just isn't working. I'm really in a painful spot. You know what? I think I'm just gonna seek satisfaction in Christ for those things. No, you didn't do that. You can't do that. You can't change yourself. You can't save yourself. In fact, that's what Paul means in verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Circumcision is just the religious version of trying to save self. Uncircumcision is the irreligious version of trying to save self. Both are self-attempts, right? Crucifying yourself, saving yourself. It doesn't work. You can't do it. God has to do that work through his Holy Spirit. And Paul says, you have been crucified. If you're in Christ, that was a work that God has done and continues to do. I still remember the text 
when my wife was pregnant with our first child. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase this text because it's been 10 years. But what I tell you is about, it about nails it. She was probably in her second trimester. And this is the text I get in the middle of the day. Was craving a Whopper and am now sitting in the Burger King parking lot eating it. It tastes so good. Now, prior to that moment, my wife had never craved a Burger King Whopper. And since that moment, she has never craved a Burger King Whopper. In fact, she hasn't eaten one since that moment in the parking lot. She did not decide one day, hmm, I've got an appetite. And instead of satisfying this appetite with grapes, I'm going to satisfy this appetite with a Whopper. No, the second person that was inside of her, whom she also didn't create, had, cre had created this, this hunger and the satisfaction of the hunger being a Whopper. Now, I share that with you because she didn't do that. In the same way, our hunger for approval and for comfort and for success and approval, right? The, the hunger doesn't change. The work of crucifixion changes how that hunger is satisfied. And God does that through the work of his Holy Spirit. Now you say, great, well then what role do I play in it? Look at verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. What's the rule that Paul is speaking about here? He's speaking about boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ alone as the satisfaction for all those desires that we have for comfort and success and approval and control, that Jesus Christ satisfies those desires. The word walk here means to keep in step. So here is the command. Keep in step with boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ and not boasting in personal achievement or, bo or boasting in the avoidance of pain. Keep in step with boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, to keep in step, there has to be a first step. And for some of you, there may need to be a first step of boasting the cross of Jesus Christ and not boasting in comfort or success. That some of you may need to take that first step of saying, I am going to boast in Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm gonna turn from my sin. I'm gonna turn from seeking satisfaction in the world and turn to Christ. But that one time, that first time turn becomes a keeping in step with boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ over and over. Boasting in a pain-free life or boasting in success ultimately will lead to the opposite of peace and mercy. It will lead to judgment and chaos. But when you boast in the cross of Jesus Christ, which means you live for, glory in, revel in, obsess in the cross of Jesus Christ that has transformed you, that continues to transform you, peace, and mercy is what follows. Boasting in the cross transforms you, and second, it transforms your suffering. 
It transforms your suffering. Look at verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. That word marks there, it was commonly used to describe the branding of a slave in the Greek world. What Paul is saying is, I am a branded slave of Jesus Christ. While his opponents came to town saying, the marks of belonging to God is circumcision, Paul says, no, circumcision counts for nothing. In fact, if it counts for anything, it's the mark that you belong to yourself. But the mark of belonging to Jesus Christ are the scars of suffering. The scars of suffering. The most permanent, probably, scars of Paul were from his beating that he took at Lystra that Acts 14 describes. The marks on Paul's body were badges of honor in God's sight. And we see that throughout his writing. In Acts chapter five, he, he rejoices for being counted worthy of suffering for Jesus' name. In Philippians 3, he describes wanting to share in the suffering of Christ. John Calvin says this about the marks of suffering. For even as earthly warfare has its decorations with which generals honor the bravery of a soldier, so Christ our leader has his own marks of which he makes good use in decorating and honoring some of his followers. These marks, however, are very different from the others for they have the nature of the cross and in the sight of the world, they are disgraceful. But in God's sight, they are precious. Your physical scars, and probably more likely your emotional scars on your heart, are marks that you belong to Jesus Christ. They are badges of honor. Badges of honor. Your marks, whether they're physical and or emotional, are not marks of you being abandoned by God. They're marks of you belonging to God, belonging to his son, Jesus. We live in a world where boasting is selfish and individual, that most of the boasting that we see in our world is of the individual nature, someone boasting about what they have done. Right? That's the vast majority of the boasting that happens in our world. But there are examples of boasting that is not individual. There are examples of boasting in our world that is boasting in what somebody else has done. And in fact, we are right in the middle of one of those examples in this season in the fall. It's every Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon. When a fan walks out of a stadium after their team has won a thrilling victory. What do they shout when they're walking out of the stadium? What is their boast? We won! We won! 
What do you mean we won? You were sitting in the seat, eating a hot dog, not breaking a sweat. You weren't on the field. What do you mean we won? Listen, when a fan so identifies with his team and so finds his or her worth in that team, then when that team wins, he or she wins. Boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ is boasting in the victory of our Lord Jesus on the cross. We won! And yet he did all the work. But when you so identify with Christ and his work on the cross, and you so find your worth in what he accomplished on the cross for you and for this world, then you find yourself boasting in him. And you find yourself full, all of your hungers, all of your desires satisfied in him. Let's pray. Father, we confess before you our boasting in all the wrong things. Boasting in our comfort, boasting in our success. And we ask humbly that you would transform our boasting, that you would remind us, for those of us that are in Christ, that we have been crucified that you have transformed the satisfaction of our hunger, that our satisfaction found in the world has been crucified, nailed to the cross, that we are a new creation. With those same desires and that same hunger satisfied in you, Jesus, and would you make us a people that boast in your victory on the cross, a victory that you accomplished alone without our help and yet a victory that becomes ours through faith. Father, would we be a people who boast in the cross of Jesus Christ alone? And would we find in that boasting a fullness and an abundance to life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.